Revelation. And uh, the reason for it is because when I, was, when I was a young man growing in faith, we, always, we talked about Gideon, but we talked about Gideon from the position of that, you know, the New Testament church should not put fleeces out before God. And I want you to understand, I agree with that in this context, that I don't think that anybody that's, that's born again should have to rely on asking God, can you turn this piece of paper before tomorrow morning green so that I can know that you are confirming your direction in my life? I don't think that's necessary because in our life, we live with God living on the inside of us. In those days, these men and women live by the Spirit of God coming on them but there's a great principle here that I want to go through about how Gideon was in this struggle of coming out of obscurity and he just needed assurance. And I don't think there's anything wrong with waiting on God until you know that it's time to move. Amen. Listen, in our life right now, there, there's, you know, the church does what it can. But I believe that in every one of your lives, there's a potential that there are ministries that are locked up on the inside of you that just needs to be birthed. Callings of God that can be, you know, beginning where people feel like this call. Hey, you know, I feel like there's something on the inside of me. I can feed the hungry. I can clothe them. I can do what the word says. Well, somewhere in there, you're going to want to launch out into those things and God will meet you. But there are these moments where you just need an affirming word that this is really what Jesus is calling me to do. I think it's fine for you to just kind of wait and to see how things go. But at the same point, you got to start operating by faith. There are things that you have to do. So we're going to talk about this, but I want to go back and just remind you of these few little points. That Gideon was raised up by God out of obscurity to do something. And it was to prepare the people of Israel to strike a blow against their enemies. Every, they were already in, in bondage, but every harvest season, the enemies would come in and would strip them of their harvest. How many of you believe it's time that the devil gets out of your business and that he should no longer have any power to strip you of the goodness of God? Amen. All right. Well, it's going to take a group of people. It's going to take Gideons like you and I to rise up and to say, this day is coming to an end. So God prepares us. He takes us out of obscurity. I, I'm sure that you all understand this. Because I think most of us have been there. We have these, these aspirations to do great things for the kingdom of God. But we can't figure out how God wants to use me. Because we understand that collectively we can do a lot of cool stuff. But God's going to use me? And that's what God was doing with Gideon. He was calling him out of obscurity. And in Judges chapter 6, verse 34, when the city came out to get him, like they wanted Gideon's life because he tore down the altars of Baal. When dad provided protection for him, this is what happened. The spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew his trumpet and the people came to gather after him. It's so cool. But I want you to notice something. You see, once again, the spirit of God showed up to affirm him, but it didn't bring complete affirmation. It's kind of weird. You would think that that would be enough because he could see the hand of God happening all around him, but it's still that, that obscurity that obtains that we live with on the inside of my brokenness, my incompleteness. I don't know how God could ever use me. But I, I love this picture, though, that Gideon, with his trumpet, working with God, blows the trumpet, and he puts life into his neighbors. It's amazing. It's amazing what happens when a human being surrenders to the will of God and just does what God tells him to do in that moment. The Spirit of God comes on Gideon, and all Gideon does is blows a trumpet, and it gathers the people. You see, sometimes it doesn't make sense the things that God tells us to do. 
And I don't want you to think that the Lord is strange or any of those things, but sometimes He works outside of the natural perimeters by which we live in. And so sometimes it can shake you up. Elman spoke about it just a little while ago, that some people get offended by the supernatural moves of God. And none of us should be overwhelmed or taken off guard. I mean, sometimes things just come in to shake us out of our religion and our tradition. So here's the cool thing about what happens when the life of God hits the neighbors. Inspired people are motivated and they use their skills and their resources to make positive impacts. It's just what happens. So I want you to know something. The thief will always come until the people show up and stop the thief. And that's what God does. He's raising up a people to stop the enemy. I want you to know that there's a thief that's much bigger than just our individual lives or perhaps even the life of this culture. There's a, there's a thief that's trying to rob this nation. So we can go all the way to the big side. Now, I want to tell you what happens, though. Like, I'm going to give you an example. What's so beautiful about when you get proper people in authority, like, for an example, our governor, who's going to be installed pretty soon in the month of uh, January, when, when the proper people are in a power, they invite the church. So Jeff Landry's already sent out all of his invitations to his, inaugura his inauguration, and we've been invited. And you say, well, what's so cool about that is that the church is invited. The people of God are being invited. All I am is a representative of you. But he knows that. And he wants God in his, in his affairs. And I think it's so awesome. That's why when you look at these things, you, you know, we're not trying to get into the political side of these things. But the political side is that we need Jesus. Amen. <laughs> all right, I'm going to get out of this. But so I just believe that what Gideon shows all of us is that the, the cup of iniquity was filled and righteousness was now beginning to show itself. And I believe that we're in a time right now in America that righteousness is beginning to show itself and the cup of iniquity has been filled to the full. Things are beginning to come out. We know that there's some crooked stuff happening and by faith the Gideons will rise up and bring recompense to the enemy. Hallelujah. Alright, so let's talk about today affirming or confirming your affirmation. You know that most people today live with their eyes spiritually blurred? Most people live with their ears absolutely dull. You know what happens when you live blind and, and deaf, to the, really to the Spirit of God? You live shut into yourself. And when you live shut into yourself, it's, it's almost as if you're living in a hall of mirrors. You don't know where to go because all you do is see yourself all over the place. You feel trapped. But by the Spirit of God, He opens your eyes and ears so that you can get out of that mess. And so when Gideon is right now looking for affirmation, what he's doing is he's actually, in my world, he's fixing his attention on the Lord. He's not living immature and living out of his natural thinking. He's coming to a place, I need heaven's results in my life. So in Judges chapter 6, <coughs> excuse me, verse 36, we see that Gideon said unto the Lord, so he's fixing his attention on the Lord. If thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the floor. And if the dew, now just imagine what he's requesting. I'm going to put a piece of fabric right there in the middle of that floor. And I want you to rain dew on it and leave everything else dry. <clears throat> It almost seems like he's asking for the impossible. <clears throat> but I want to ask you this question. What if Gideon's motive in these measures was this? Thinking within himself, I am the wool. 
I'm the fleece. And I really want to know if you can saturate me with your power, therefore can you saturate it first? And God saturates it so much that in the morning he can fill a whole bowl full of water of dew that hit that little piece of wool. And then he turns the tide and he says, well, look, don't get mad at me, but I want confirmation in the reverse. Keep it dry, protect it, and wet everything else. And you know what's amazing? The Lord in his generosity does it. Why? Because Gideon was called for that moment. And I want you to know that we already know that we have this promise that you are now filled with God's fullness. You are the head and not the tail. You don't have to question whether or not God will fill you or saturate you because you already have been. You may not feel that way, but that's only because you don't keep the fire stirred up. Because it's, it's really not the Spirit of God's fault that we are ever dry or wanting of Him. It just comes down to our pursuit of Him. The more, I, the more I pursue Him and the more I eat of Him, the hungrier I become for Him. Isn't that the way we're taught, right? The more you eat, the more hungry. And so when you're thinking about the kingdom, what Gideon has given me a picture of is really the pursuit of every believer. All I need to know is I can find my destiny in you. So the more I search for you, the more I'll find you. So I believe that the kingdom of God is really not what you're doing for God initially, but it's what God is doing for your life. Initially, you ought to be looking like, what is God doing for me right now? How is God setting things right for me? How is God putting things together for me so that I can live a life of joy? You know, I was thinking the other day that in many cases within probably most of our lives, there was a time when we, our life was associated with a lot of hurting, broken people. And because that's natural, that's where we live, that's who we were, that's where we were coming from because we were one of them. And then we gave our hearts to Jesus and he began to transform the inner world. And now when I look at my life, I really can say for myself personally that the kingdom of God really has come. Even though there are a lot of, a lot of negative things that go on in the world, there's a lot of sirens on the streets, there's a lot of dangers in the neighborhood, we live a quiet, protected life. I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about us. True or false? Do you go to bed at night and put your head on a pillow and find good sleep? That's a gift of heaven. That's a reward of God that you can find rest for your soul at night. Yeah, the whole world may be burning up, but in the midst of it, his people are covered and protected. It's so glorious. And so when you begin this journey of trying to find your destiny, and I want you to know something. Right now, I sense his presence. So strong. I just want you to do something. Close your eyes. Lift your hands and receive from God what you need. <clears throat> I just really believe he's here to affirm you. It's not about this message. It's about you. It's about what he's doing for you. And then in partnership with you, what he's going to do through you. Now, Lord, we receive this affirmation right now. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. You know, I know that life has its struggles. Man, God, it has its struggles. And I know that in life, it's sometimes it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. I've told you my struggles when recently my dad had his, 
Third report that he had cancer. Within myself, I had the struggle that that was my dad's death sentence. But my wife heard something different. She heard that victory was coming our way. And I never spoke what I felt, but I celebrated what she saw. And today we, we receive what she saw. And so what's happening is there are these moments. It's hard to believe because you're in the struggle. It's in the struggle that these voices within the circumstances shout really loud. And it's in this struggle <clears throat> that I need the strength of the Lord. I need Christ. It's this hope that I desire. It's this voice that I need. It's what I need to do is to make him the center of all of my desires because of the simple truth is I need him. Because I'm not, I'm not affirmed. I'm not on stable ground at this very moment. Is anybody here like right now? And it's okay if you raise your hand, but you just perhaps are not on stable ground. You, there's a lot of struggle in your life right now. Well, Father, in Jesus' name, I just want to come into agreement with those who have their hands raised that the shaking that's going on in their life right now, that you become the rock underneath their feet and their life becomes very stable in faith in Jesus' name. See, I believe that Gideon's faith was being tried he was wavering, but he was inquiring. He may have been wavering, but he was inquiring. And what he was looking for was not the assurance of the world. It was the assurance of the Lord. And I want you to know what righteousness is defined as. Righteousness is when you embrace the act of God with your whole heart. And it's when you throw open the doors of your heart to him, that's when we discover the doors to him have already been opened. It's an amazing journey, but the moment that I say yes to him, the yes was already directed towards me, towards you. And so the road that leads to the presence of God really is the road that leads to deliverance. And I want you to understand something, that if you're going to live by faith, it's a risky business. It's a lonely business, and it's costly in this world. You may have to do a lot of things by yourself because nobody understands or sees why you're doing what you're doing. And the, and the struggle is that there are few that are willing to pay the price to do these things. But Gideon was in that struggle. He knew that what he was about to face and facing his enemies was risky. He was by himself because there were not a lot of people cheering him on. Most of them wanted him dead. And it was very costly, but he was willing to pay the price. And I want you to know that when you're willing to pay the price, that's when he becomes the very source of your life. Until you're willing to pay the price to go all out for him, there's really no route to life because there's a lot of unassurance. You're just overwhelmed. But in Mark chapter 9, verse 22, we find there's this picture of a dad. <clears throat> he comes and uh, <clears throat> he's heard of Jesus. I'm sure that he's acquired of all the religious leaders of that day looking for help for his son. His son was being tortured and driven by demons. And so he says of his son, he says, oftentimes he's cast into the fire and into the waters. They're trying to destroy him. And ultimately, that's what darkness tries to do is destroy you. Take you into the deep recesses of life and give you no hope. This is why you have to turn your heart completely over to Jesus. You have to cry out for his help and you have to evade the darkness. You have to run. You have to run from the darkness. You have to run to the light. He said, I don't know how to do that. Well, 
you have to, first of all, call out to Jesus. I mean, you have to make this your, your, your main goal. You have to, like, put these things out before you and yet declare that they're your enemy and demand that these thoughts bow their knee to the Lordship of Christ. So this man was struggling, and he asks Jesus, he says, can you do anything? Can you have compassion on us? Can you help us? I mean, here's a dad. He can't figure out what's best for himself, so he needs God's direction. How many times in our life we can't figure out what's best for myself? Doggone it, we better go to Jesus. So everything's about this man's life is, seems to be pointing into destruction. And Jesus doesn't seem like he gives him the, uh, any words of comfort, but he does. He says, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that do believe, that does believe. In other words, there's nothing that's not available to the human heart if you're just willing to believe. Gideon's looking for assurance. If you're looking for assurance today, if you just believe. Assurance is there. You live in assurance because Christ is the assurance. So how do I know that God loves me? <laughs> Look, Jesus. <laughs> the Bible says that God talks to his people in the language of his son. How do you know God? You dive deeper into Jesus. So Jesus says there's nothing that's impossible to them that believe. So the father stands up and he says, he cries out. I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe that's why I'm here, but I'm still struggling. And Jesus doesn't chase him away. That's what I'm trying to tell you. There's nothing wrong with going before God and seeking assurance because he loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. If, you, if there's any development of a mindset that God is against you, we need to shake ourselves free from that. So I don't know if you know this, but Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the power of Christ living in me. <laughs> but look at the next statement. I thought it was so fascinating to me. But my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. In other words, my weakness and my vulnerability before God opens my world to his power. Where I need him. It's my humility. It's my crying out for help that opens my heart to the power of God. So if you're unsure of the future, all it takes is a little time with Jesus to get yourself reaffirmed. So what we're looking at today is affirming affirmation or we're confirming this. What we're looking for is this confirmation of affirmation. Why? I need it until my faith becomes assured. So Gideon, what he's doing is he's seeking the Lord, but he's doing it with great reference. And I want you to know God is tender with Gideon, just as he is with those who are his children and her weak. He said, how do you know that? Well, the prophetic word that came out of Isaiah concerning Jesus is Matthew chapter 12. Verse 18 through 20, it says, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will pour out my spirit upon him. He shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive, nor shall he cry, neither shall any man hear him in the streets. 
He's not quarreling. He's not yelling in the public. Jesus is meek and lowly. You see, so much so that a bruised reed shall not he break. He shall not break it. In other words, he won't even brush aside those who are bruised. A smoldering flax, those who have little fire left in their life, he doesn't quench until he sends forth judgment. All right. So until he deals with the problem, until you get victory. In other words, he's going to deal with the problem until victory. So what we're trying to show right here is that God shows himself kind to those who are weak. So when I'm unsure of my future and it seems like I'm struggling with my faith, it's all right. Go to him. He won't cast you aside, put you out. I mean, think about this. Jesus Christ was crucified as a weakling. But today he's robed in God's power. (laughs) When you saw him on the cross... It was the weakest position that a human being could be. Brutally busted. Tor- you know, we say, I guess you call it torture. For humanity. But then was robed in absolute power. So Gideon was confirming his commission. And he's just seeking assurance that God, if this is real... Can you saturate this fleece so that you can saturate me? If you're calling me to feed the, feed the hungry, if you're calling me to clothe the naked, if you're, you're calling me to do these things, I don't have that power within me to do these things. How can I know that it's you? I know what you've done, what you've said, and I've seen all these things line up for me. But now the enemy's gathering and i got to go face them dudes. What's coming? Can you saturate me? Well, sure I will. We'll saturate that. Now, you have to know something. We don't have to point at the, at the, at the wool or the fleece because he's already saturated you with his presence. So I don't know about you, but I want, you, I want to tell you that I believe that having the Lord's approval and his favor on your life is of great value. Man, oh, to have his approval. To have the kiss of heaven on your life is just remarkable. And it's always better than trusting yourself. Amen. Knowing that Jesus is for you is better than knowing that you're going to make it on your own. So humble heart, a humble heart will always help you overcome a proud mind. A proud mind is natural thinking, it's earthbound thinking, and it has religious reasonings. Shake yourself free of that because we need affirmation. Now, let me show you what affirmation is. Affirmation is, what is the first word? Confirmation. confirmation. But what is it confirmation of? It's, it's, it's the confirmation of things that have been done or decreed. But it's you, you have to establish it. So affirmation requires something of you. You have to take hold of what has been told you. That's what faith is. That's really a, probably a great definition of what faith is. It's establishing what has already been done and already decreed to you. It's taking it because you've already been confirmed. So I, I'm sure that you understand this because it happens quite often in my life. But there are times when you have to deal with a very heavy, a very heavy heart. You know... I know that there are times in all of our lives we deal with these things. 
So like for the other day, we had this great report the night before that my dad had gotten a good report off of the PET scan. And then within 24 hours, there was a series of events that happened around us that was just so heart-wrenching. And you know what it's like because when you got to carry it, and, you, and you, have to, you have to, and if you don't know how to carry it, then it becomes depressive. But if you recognize that you're carrying something on behalf of someone else, it makes you an intercessor. It's a different approach. You have to learn that when you are given news and it becomes heavy on your heart, what do you do with it? Do you become depressed and does it overwhelm you? Or do you become a bearer of those iniquities or those faults, those hurts, those shortcomings, whatever it is that they're, they're dealing with, um, you now get to stand with them. So there are times when there are heavy hearts and questions flood the soul. But I'm going to go back to this. It's in these times that I need, I need Jesus and I need him to be close to me. I need his shoulder to lean on and, and I need his strength to rest in. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 through 14, Moses, being one of the great patriarchs of, of faith from the very beginning, says this to the people. Fear not, or in other words, why are you afraid? Stand still, be still. Why? Because you're going to see the salvation of the Lord. What are, you, what are you struggling with? The promise of the Lord has already been given. Now you establish it. He says, you're going to see this today. For the Egyptians, the enemies, the cancer, the debt, the frustrations, the pain, the loneliness that you see today, you'll see no more forever. For the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. You see, his assurance is what allows us to stand firm. It's when I know that he's with me that I can watch the hand of salvation work for me today. It's only when, though, I find hope by putting first Christ. I have to put him first. You know, there are times in my day that I want to confess to you that I recognize I carry the burden far too long and too often without thinking of him. And it's kind of weird because you would think, well, you're the minister. You're the, you're the guy that's always in the scriptures. Yeah, but also am natural like everyone else. And it, sometimes it takes an awakening from heaven to say, hey, call upon me. Shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph and I'll deliver you. And then once I'm awakened to it, oh! So sometimes, um, you know, I ask the Lord, I've been asking the Lord because sometimes I recognize that in our services, our services can be a little different than what most people are accustomed to. Sometimes I ask Jesus, I say, Lord, can you just come and visit us in our normal <laughs> so that people aren't all stirred up? And then I realize that my normal is so abnormal that he could visit me in my normal and my normal will blow people out of the water. I mean, if you watch, just watch on the front, none of this stuff that I do in worshiping Jesus is fake. That's just who I am. Man, I get into, I, I just feel it, man. Your way is better. I mean, your way is better. I just, I was like, yeah. Tears running down, snot coming out. Give me my handkerchief. You say, that's just, that's just Rev. No, that's Dwayne in love with Jesus. And so if you're coming from an outside position and you're looking at the preacher who's about to come up here and he's looking like a fool, it's because I am. I'm a fool for Christ. And then I want Jesus to invade my normal. Well, that's my normal. So please, if sometime if I forgive you for being strange, I, I just am. 
But I, I want to give you this hope before my time runs out. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 says, I say unto you, if you ask, <laughs> it'll be given to you. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, it'll be open to you. I just want you to know in my world, and I'm sure it's the same with you, I believe everybody here can testify that this is true. There's nothing greater than the assurance of hearing that's just simple, gentle, whispering, breaking through the storms of my life. In other words, Jesus, is that you out there? Jesus, we're about to go down. Jesus, come. Jesus, don't you care? I know you're here with me, but doggone it, we're about to drown. <laughs> I mean, we all go through it, right? Sometimes we feel so terrible because I lack faith and I, I'm just so human. But the guys who walked with them were in the same, they were in the same position. Don't you care about us? We're about to drown. Jesus says, shut up. Just, why don't you just speak to the storm? <laughs> it's like we don't really comprehend who lives in us. All right. So I'm going to close with this thought. The scripture teaches us that your soul can be strengthened and healed if you'll hold steadfast to your faith. And I think this is a big deal. Because we don't give much attention to the, the healing of the soul. We celebrate the salvation and the new birth because my spirit is now made alive and I'm now made one with Christ. But that soul still lives in this world. And every day I deal with stuff. Every day you deal with stuff. I deal with images, voices, words. There's cussing, fussing. There's things that are trying to pull down and infiltrate my soul. Because if it infiltrates my soul, everything that is of an antichrist spirit that fills my soul fills my body. It touches my life. So I have to war to keep my soul in check. But the word says right here, if I'll stand steadfast to faith before God... My soul is strengthened and my soul is healed. So when you're in a position that you feel like you need assurance, you need affirmation from the Lord, you ought to seek him because he will be found. And you ought to know this, that your soul that could be struggling today has the potential to be strengthened and to be healed, but you got to hold on to your faith. The world can be shaken and everything around you can get real dark. But I'm going to tell you something. One visitation from heaven will heal your body, heal your mind, heal your pocketbook, heal everything in your body, in your life. I'm telling you, Jesus would take broken people and make them strong pillars of righteousness so that you can be a help to a society that needs help. The Bible talks about the church. The church is not filled with prominent, wealthy people. It's filled with people that become prominent and wealthy because he makes them that. Most people who are in the kingdom of God who has advanced in life, then that we didn't start there. Come on, just be truthful. You see, you don't, you don't know my journey. I might be here today, but you don't know where I was 40 years ago when I first married Rachel. You had no idea. Thank God I'm not who I was. 
And if there's any honor that has come into our life, it's only because Jesus has given us that gift. And so what we do now, listen, as you begin to get these gifts of God given to your life, you want to, which all of us should do, is you take the gift that God has now given you in recognition, and you take the crown off, and you lay it before the feet of Jesus, and you worship and say, Lord, none of this would ever happen without you. <laughs> because ain't none of us in here qualify for anything good. Only Jesus makes you good, right? All right. I'll, well, I hope that today, if, you, if you're feeling a little stressed out, not sure if you're going to break through, make it through, how, you know, whatever, you, that you are today going to give your, your attention to seeking His assurance. Because when you do, your faith will come alive. And then you're going to speak to the mountains and they shall be removed. Amen? All right. Let's stand up. I hope.